0: Well, our text is Revelation, and it's chapter 9, and today we'll read again verses 8 through 11, and this is <clears throat> part 21 in that series on the torments of hell. Uh, we'll have this one today and one more next week, and then it'll be over. Maybe we'll sell t-shirts. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh but uh, yeah, that started way back in August last year, but um, a lot of things have happened during those times, and so it would stop for a while, get started, stop, start, stop. So uh, we're going to complete it next Sunday, Lord willing. Okay, so that's what we're looking forward to. Okay, our text, Revelation chapter 9, and I'll read verses 8 through 11. It says, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like to scorpions. And there were stings in their tail. And their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, and in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Well, let's pray. Now, fathers, we preach your word now Again, Lord, you've got to give understanding. You've got to move. Lord, I can't do it. It's your word, and we depend on that very Holy Spirit who breathed out every one of these words to the writers to now use this word powerfully in each one's heart. Guide me as I speak, but may the Spirit of God speak to each person individually whether it's in this auditorium, whether it's on a radio audience, or those watching by live stream. I just pray that you'd use this word today in a very special way, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, we did a little bit of review last week as we got started on this, and we saw the difference between hell and the eternal lake of fire. Now understand, Revelation chapter 9 here is talking about the lake of fire, or about hell, not the lake of fire. Hell is the place where anyone who dies without Christ goes today. They go to this place called hell. And then, as you look beyond that, one day, all the inhabitants of hell, we've seen the scorpions, or the should I say the locusts that have the stings like scorpions. There are uh, devils that were sent there before the time. There are People from all the ages past that died without Christ. And they'll all be caught up to a great white throne, after which they'll be cast into the eternal lake of fire. And we get, tried to give you a difference between hell and the lake of fire, and we told you it's kind of like going from being in jail to going to prison. There's no escape, it's maximum security. No escape for anyone or any spirit. There is no escape there's no ceasing to exist, although they would want to. And that just does not happen at that time. So, we've covered a lot of what's in verses 1 through 8 already over these messages, but uh, this bottomless pit, which is hell, is now opened by an angel who is called the angel of the bottomless pit, and he's given the keys to it. I believe that he's given the keys by Jesus Christ. For through his death, burial, and resurrection, even in his humanity, he has the keys of hell and of death, Revelation chapter 1, 18 tells us. Although, he's had those keys forever. But they were his through that. The locusts that are there, are not as the locusts upon the earth that we know of today. These locusts are actually thriving in the pit, which is hell. They torment in hell. That is how the rich man was tormented, besides the flame. As we see that, he said, I am tormented in this flame. Well, you think, well, fire would torment a person, being in it but he says, I am tormented in this flame. And, and these locusts, these locusts that were made for this purpose, this is not a judgment on those locusts. Rather, they're specially made for this torment in hell. And we're given an example in this chapter of just what that torment will be. It's a place of darkness, so thick that trying to see your hand in front of your face, you can't. We also have seen in the past, going over these messages, we were reminded of the rich man, and Lazarus, and the rich man was in hell. He was the one that was tormented in this flame. But one of those torments also included besides the locusts, whose tails had stings in them that was like a scorpion, But he was told, Son, remember in your lifetime. And hell's a place of remembrance. There could be people sitting in this auditorium today or listening by the radio or the internet who are not sure if they died today that heaven's their home. They'll adopt an attitude of, Oh, well, I don't need to deal with that now. And they die. They die without Christ. Perhaps they'll be reminded, and they'll even hear this message of the opportunity that they had. During the tribulation period, that pit will be open. We are told there it would be open for five months. I think that this is the great grace of God. I really do. You say well how could that be? Because these locusts come out of the pit and they sting people. And the pain is so terrible it's paralyzing. You say how's that grace? Because the world of the tribulation hour. Now understand if it's a tribulation then you and I have already been raptured up into heaven. So we're not here to be a part of that. But those that were left behind after the rapture. Yes, there will still be an opportunity for some people to be saved during the tribulation. But when they do get saved, it could pretty well mean their head. A torturous death. But men are bitten by these Stung by these locusts, I guess I should say, whose ting is as a locust, but it's so powerful that they'll desire to die. They'll try to kill themselves. They can't kill themselves. They're doing everything they can to escape the, the pain. And it's impossible. And man has been given a vision of what hell is like even to those that die today and go to hell without Christ. Those people in the tribulation now are getting an idea of what that place is like and whether or not they ought to get saved. There's 144,000 preachers that are preaching during the tribulation trying to get people saved. and they better listen. They're not able to kill these locusts. It just seems like that after five months, evidently they've returned to the pit. And, and by the way, we're not going to cover this today, but Satan will one day be chained in that pit, kept there for a thousand years during what is called the millennium, and will be loosed for just a short season. And then, back in this pit, which along with uh, all its inhabitants, all of its tormentors, will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. As I said, it's like going from jail to prison. Man is being given a five-month view of hell during the tribulation period. You would think that they would wise up. Uh, I think of those devils. There are devils there now. You know, at Gadarene, when the Lord cast the demon, and there's a legion of devils out of the one man, they desired to go into a herd of swine, than to go there to be judged before the time, to go to that time. And that's interesting because in First Peter, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, we read something about it. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, that is, Satan's angels that fell with him, but cast them down to hell. The Greek word there used for hell, is Tartarus evidently in hell? All of hell's bad, but there's a, some parts that are worse than others, and this is the worst part because it torments Satan, it torments his angels that fell with him. Now, Satan's not there now, probably most of his angels that fell with him, but some angels are there already. And they're tormented in that place. It says, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Now you just think about that. Devils, demons, are reserved. Some were sent there long before the time, somewhere around the flood time. They were sent there and they are chained. You say, how do you chain a spirit? I'm not exactly sure, but maybe there's a body created for them that's like our bodies that can feel any kind of a fire, or pain, or anything else, and they're chained. They can't escape. They cannot escape. We saw that the shapes of these locusts were back in verse seven when we covered it. They have uh, on their head crowns like gold. And does that make sense? Because Job, uh, when you read the book of Job, you find and I believe it's Job 18 about the king of terrors. The death, the king of terrors. And I wonder if these are kings of terrors, these locusts in hell. They had, we read also, they had the face of men. Maybe it reminded them of how they wanted to do things that the popular, the well-known men, the other men do, whether it's evil, whether it's good, or whatever else, that they wanted to be like them, to be popular like them, to be rich, to be whatever. Now, they're in hell following those things that would not help them. I think of it, the rich man is in hell. He's not there because he's rich. He's there because he didn't have Jesus Christ as his Savior. But it's 2,000 years later now, and he's still in hell. He's still tormented day and night. He's still there. We told you how those breastplates were of iron, which indicates that when they are released on earth during that five-month period of time, they will try to smash them, they'll try to kill them, and they can't. And people will go to be that place where they'll be forever with those creatures that were created for this place. Never ceasing to exist, not able to escape. Now, as we look at the rest of the story, we've covered much of what is in chapter 9. But now, kind of want to look at verse 8 and verse 11, perhaps just verse 8 for today. But as I look at verse 8, we read this. And they had hair as the hair of a woman. Now, remember, their faces were as men, but they had hair as the hair of a woman. And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. Now, as I said, we've covered many things there, but in verse eight, as you look at it as the hair of women, we told you the faces weren't actual men's faces. It was as it still used the word as a lot of times. Well, in time, the Bible when you see as it were, liken unto words of that nature in the Bible, that doesn't mean it's literally a man, doesn't mean it's literally a woman, but it might be likened to a man, it might be likened to a lion, it might be as lion. In other words, it has characteristics that are like that person, or like something, but it's not really that something. Perhaps we can assume that it's even worse being that it is in hell. The locusts have stings in their tails, likened to scorpions. They're not scorpions, but it's likened to scorpions. It is one of the rules of interpretation in the Bible, when you see the word like or as, you look for characteristics of what like is or what as is unto those things. And that's what it is here. Now it has a hair of women, teeth of lion. That's symbolic. As we just said about the word as. Now, they had the faces of men. And it's a place of torment. Now, you say, how does this all come together? The men? Maybe a bearded face. Maybe they have the hair of women. And you say, yeah, he's talking about hippies now, isn't he? Well, that that stage came, and hardly anybody uses the term hippie anymore. Before that it was the beatniks. What in the world's a beatnik? I guess it's something that beats your neck. I don't know, but uh, uh, but it was the forerunner of the uh, hippie movement. And those movements come along, but what is missed is God made a distinction. He even said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that it was shame for a man to have long hair. If God says it's a shame, it's a shame. It may not be to society today, but it will be one day. But it's the same about women having the short hair cut as short as a man's. It's it the same way in God's sight. Well, people don't care. Yeah, but you know what? When you're at judgment, it's not going to be people judging you. It's going to be God. It's going to be God. Now, we live in a sex-crazed society, though. I I want to add something more, though, to what it's saying here as far as its symbolism. Not adding to the Scriptures, but showing the symbolism of the Scripture. In a sex-crazed, immoral society in which we live that so many have become involved in. There are harlots. There are womanizers. There are adulterers. There are effeminate men. There are women with women. Romans chapter 1 addresses that, by the way, and calls it abomination. Now, whether the world accepts that or not, homosexuality is abomination to God. And and again, I don't apologize for God, and I'm not going to apologize for saying what God believes, what God says, what God gives, because what God says is true. So you can't apologize for that, that's for sure. And, as a matter of fact, let me just give you something else here. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 32 through 34, and we're not going to read that here. But it talks about Israel. Israel is called the wife of God. And he says, you're worse than a harlot. You're worse than one who sells their body for money. In that you give yourself freely. This is a married man, it could be a married woman that has sexual relationships, cheating on their spouse with others. It's not for money. It's just getting out and doing it. God says that's worse than being a harlot. If God said it's worse, and he does, then it's worse. So keep that in mind. Again, this is looking at people who are sexually active with others outside their own marriage. God doesn't justify a harlotry but at least he's saying they're doing it for money, maybe to make a living. The ones that don't, I think the term that we use today, uh, in the term comes from a term that was used often back in the 1800s, 1700s, and it's the English word slut, which meant somebody that's filthy and dirty. In time, it became applied to people, who sexually weren't true to a spouse or sexually gave themselves to others whether they were married or not. And so it was described that way. And that describes the the things of character that can be uh, about a man, it can be about a woman. And let me say that. A man can be a slut or a woman can be a slut because it's filthiness of what God created as sacred for a man to leave his mother and father and cleave his wife and be one flesh. The marriage bed is undefiled, but anything outside of that is fully defiled. Now, somebody says the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart, and that is quite true. Um, we find out in the book of Deuteronomy thou shalt not bring the, uh, the price of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow for even both these are abomination unto the Lord thy God Now, you may be sitting here today or listening in on, on the internet or radio and say, preacher, should you preach that in, in, in a mixed crowd? Well, the same mixed crowds are watching it on television. The same mixed crowds are, are going to theaters and everywhere else. They have songs about it. Why aren't they out there protesting? You just don't want the truth to be spoken in God's house? The Bible addresses it. We're going to address it. And that's what we're doing today. Now, but he says, the price of a dog for any vow, for even both of these are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now, please note that in that era of time, back in the book of Deuteronomy and really throughout the Old Testament, the price of a dog Or the whore, he said there, the whore being the woman, the price of a dog being a man who was a male prostitute, a homosexual. Now, this is what the Bible says about it. And that they should not, God says, I don't want the money that they made in that business. I don't want that money in my house. It's corruptible. I don't want it. That's what God said. And God never lies. If he says it's an abomination, then it's wrong. So, the symbolism here of ladies and their long hair and the men's face may pretty well address the fact that a man having a woman's hair Now we're talking about gender issues. You say, I thought this was new. No, it's not new. Genesis 19 tells us about Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't new then. It's not new now. It goes back to Sodom and Gomorrah. I am told, I've read somewhere, and I cannot remember where, so if you nailed me on this, you could nail me on it because I can't remember where I read it. I had a stroke. Um, But I read it where they found... In all their diggings, they found items that showed they were actually marrying homosexuals in Sodom. Now, do you see what God thought about it? Do you see what God thought about it? That was God's mind. That's what God thought about that. And so, understanding is this LGBTQ and whatever else, that comes under that. And that is what that's all about. God hates that sin. God made them male and female. Don't call him a liar and say that there are all these other things. It's not a wise thing on your part to call God a liar. Trying to help you, not hurt you. Now, let's not get too self righteous. Make sure that you understand some other simple verses that are filled with powerful truth. Romans 3.23, For all, that's every last person, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is every one of us. The glory of God is Jesus Christ, and every one of us have come short of Jesus Christ. Not one of us is exempt. Every one has come short of Jesus Christ. Well, if that person's going to heaven, I'm going to heaven, I'm just as good as they. The Lord doesn't compare you to any person. Besides, it's not the brightest thing in the world to find the biggest hypocrite to compare yourself to. No. Look. The Bible tells us. Jesus Christ is the glory of God, so we come short of His glory. That's the measuring rod. That's why He died for us. That's why only He could be the one that would suffer for our sins and pay our penalty. For the wages, Romans 6.23, what we've earned, what we worked and deserved to get, the wages of sin, didn't say a big sin, didn't say a whole lot of sin. Didn't say certain kind of sins. For the wages of sin is death. Final, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire. Why would Jesus do that for us? Why would the Father pour out His wrath, His almighty wrath on His only begotten Son? Because, as Isaiah 53 tells us, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. When God the Father saw my sin and your sin on Jesus, his attitude about sin did not change. And Jesus paid it all. He paid it all knowing what he was going into. For the Bible clearly says, that Jesus prayed in that garden of Gethsemane, Lord, if it be possible, let let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. But why was that? Because the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. You see, he loved us that much and his son was willing, and he was willing to do what was, it would take for us to be saved. Now, because we're made in his image and we're spirits with a body and a soul, that death on the cross provided a way for our spirit to miss the wages of sin. He paid the penalty. He died for my sin. That's what He came to do. He came to die for my sin. He came here to pay my penalty. One One of the blessings of paying the penalty for my sin is to miss hell if I receive Him as my Lord and Savior. And that's true for everybody that will do that. And because you're made a spirit with a soul and a body, you have a free will to accept it or reject it. But just understand, we've been covering in this series some of the things that you're facing without Jesus Christ. That's why we put it out. So, without Christ, you will be in the same place as those who are there in hell today. If you don't receive him. Now let me close with a verse if you've heard me passage, should I say. <clears throat> that I've used many times, and that's in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. What does it mean, be not deceived? Because there are going to be people out there who going to tell, hey, if you do the best you can, he's not going to send you to hell. Oh, 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 listen. There are people a lot worse than you. Think of Hitler. Oh, 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 think of that. Think of this. No. When the Lord tells us the way of salvation, that's the way of salvation. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes from the Father but by me, that's true. You better believe it. Be not deceived because there's plenty of deceivers that tell you and I you don't have to worry about it. Some occupy pulpits. But well, I guarantee you when they're preaching that, they're not preaching the word of God. They're preaching the philosophy of man. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, that's the Greek word, has comes from the Greek word pornea, which we get our word pornography, which is sexual sin of any kind. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, those who cheat in marriage, nor effeminate homosexuals nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's any kind of sexual sin. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers. That's the social drinking crowd. Somebody told me one time, oh, well, you know, revelers, I looked that up. And they had these big parties where they'd have a drinking party, and see who could outlast the other, and they'd all end up drunk. So the Lord said, by their estimation then, nor drunkards, nor drunkards. No. The revelers was a partying group. They may get drunk, or they may have a social drink. Not everybody was drunks back in that day in Corinth. nor extortioners, none of these, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, how? By the blood of Jesus Christ, it cleanses us from all sin. But ye are sanctified, set apart for God for his use. Fucking can God set aside these kind of people for his use? Well, her name was Rahab the harlot, but now she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She's one of the ones that uh, through whom Christ came. Christ saved her. Christ changed her. Yes, but you're washed. You're washed. What a special blessing that is. You're washed. You're sanctified. And how does that happen? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of God. How can I be justified when I've done all those things? Because Jesus Christ stood in our place, and he is 100% righteous. Ephesians 1.6 says, I'm accepted in the beloved. When he became my Lord and Savior, I was accepted in him. When I stand before the throne, it will not be at the judgment seat of Christ, my righteousness. It will be the righteousness of Christ. Now, by justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God, because the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. See, when you got saved, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit came to indwell you, as he does anybody that gets saved. And at the judgment, he testifies, yes, we are children of God. Without Jesus Christ, and without his Spirit in us, we're nothing. He did it all. Now, let me add this, again, whether you're in an auditorium, whether you're Uh, watching by the internet, or listening by radio, let me say this. If, and I don't say this as a person who is so much better than anybody, because I'm not. If you're guilty of any of these horrendous sins that we've mentioned today, you've been guilty of those in the past, oh, no longer. You've been saved. Don't feel guilty today. If you confess that sin, you forsook that sin, and you made it right with God. Because in His sight, you're cleansed. And the blood of Jesus Christ does a complete job. He saves. He saves. Forgiven. And you can serve God. You're sanctified. You're set apart to serve God. He can do something with you. He really can. Now, somebody that loved us that much, can't we give him our all? Let me say this in closing. I went to my 20th high school reunion back in 1714. I went to my 20th high school, forgive me that one, okay, (laughs) but I went to my 20th high school reunion. One of the things I did there, I'm not patting my back, I'm telling you something I did as a result of conviction of the Spirit of God. There are people that I had sinned with and things like that, things I'd done, that I let them know Christ made a change in my life and I was sorry for any bad influence I would have had on them because I was supposed to be a Christian at the time, and I was. I was saved, but not very Christ-like. Sometimes you've got to let people know that's not you. I'm different, and you know what? You say, yeah, but isn't that digging up some things? No, it might help them to come to Christ. It might help them To get right with God. One of my friends, his name was Leo. I preached down there at my 20th high school reunion. It was about a month later. Some guy comes in and looks at me and says, remember me? I looked at him. I says, I have to apologize. I have no idea. I'm Leo, and he told me his last name. I don't want to say it over the air. But he told me his last name. I said, Leo, I wouldn't have known you back then because you're about 150 pounds less than you were back then. And he was. He was a great big old guy, about 300 and some pounds. And uh, he'd lost all that. And he told me, Uh, I didn't get to go to the reunion, but so and so was there and he told me about it, and I got saved. Now, Leo and I, we didn't rob any banks, we didn't go out drinking or anything like that. But Leo knew I wasn't a righteous person. But perhaps he figured out if God could do it for me, he could do it for him. Friend, that's what it's about. Let God do it in you. Let's make things right with the Lord today. Let's say all for Jesus if you're a Christian. If you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home, come to Jesus because he's promised and he doesn't lie. You come to him, John 6, 37, he'll in no wise cast you out. Just come to him. Let's bow our heads, please.